0: Looking for insightful policy analysis? Um, Can we offer historical stock market data instead? Or a nice discussion on how to use statistics in your portfolio?
1: Hey, everybody. We're back on Retire With Style. I'm here with my trusted companion and my other trusted companion. I guess companions may have been a better way to introduce it. I
2: was
0: curious which way that was going to be thrown here. So. I don't
2: trust you as much as Wade, Bob. Let's be honest. But you know, I caught myself in a in a web of of intrigue. Why don't you? Yeah. Why don't you unwind that for me and introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, this is Bob. I'm just here to make sure Alex digs the holes as deep as he possibly can for himself
3: so and i'm wade and alex didn't introduce himself either in that little i'm alex mariana Mergia. <laughs> all right okay and this is retire with style
2: All right, i think we're done <laughs> all right wade uh you've been on the road lately what's been happening man
3: yeah, yeah, I'm back on the road doing uh, in-person speaking events, and I was at an event in California where five or six different people came up to me specifically to say they've been listening to the podcast, and, and so hi to everyone. And Alex did have some fans; they mentioned Alex by name, <laughs> and a one person specifically—that <laughs> may be a surprise—but <laughs> one person specifically uh, said, "We want more Bob French." That's true. And so we got to give the people what they want. That's right. We've got Bob French today as our guest. There we I, I go. Am there the we go.
0: Favorite. So.
2: Yeah. Well, I know I'm not. Incidentally, <laughs> people don't know. People don't know that we play a little drinking game. Whenever an email comes in, we all take a swig.
0: <laughs> in a little email you know, or a little drinking game. So.
2: <laughs> Bob loves to send me all the emails. <laughs> Let's just say my spam filter is full. <laughs> yes, feedback on Alex's
3: performance on the podcast.
2: Uh, well, what
1: else has been going on, Wait, I know, like, and, and folks don't realize, I mean, we batch a lot of these recordings. So it's been, I don't know, what is it, four or five weeks since we've last uh, had one of these.
3: You've been traveling a lot? Yes. Yeah, we, we finished that variable spending arc. And indeed, um, yeah, October, now that October is just finished up. It felt like a pre-pandemic month for me. I had a trip most every week and maybe even more than one trip a week. So it's, it's good to be back on the road and... It's different now uh, being on the road with the podcast out and actually getting that feedback of people listening to it because oh. <laughs> up until that point, just been doing everything from home. Don't really see how the, the world changed in that regard.
1: Yeah, right. And even with the podcast, man, we've been uh, just, as I said, our numbers have been going through the roof like week after week after week. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good to hear, you know, on, on many fronts. So, you know, thank you for your, your support on that uh, a lot. Uh, Bob, what what you you've been a stranger? What has been what's been happening? Yeah, we've
0: been been keeping pretty busy on um the retirement researcher side. We've actually got a retirement income challenge coming up in two weeks. Uh if you're on Wait, the... wait, wait, is Bob pitching? Is Bob actually pitching right here? Did he, is he like working he is. in a pitch? We didn't uh, talk yeah. about this at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So if you're on the retirement researcher list, uh, you should have gotten an invitation, but uh, we'll definitely put uh, the link in the show notes as well. So uh, definitely would encourage you to sign up uh, for that. That should be a good one with, with all three of us uh, this time yes. around. So.
3: Yeah. yeah, and it's not the topic today, but with interest rates coming up, I, I'm in the process of updating the Retirement Planning Guidebook. And with the funded ratio tool that we'll use in that uh, challenge, the Retirement Income Challenge, Higher interest rates are making retirement cheaper these days. Mm -hmm. People are dealing with losses, of course, but if you can spend more from a declining portfolio value, you're not necessarily in that much worse a shape. And so it's really interesting some of the things going on right now. Yep. But I guess that does lead somewhat into the the topic for today. Not directly, but... uh, We can make uh, it work. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. We are about a week away from the, the midterm elections. And so there's always a lot of interest, and this is an area that Bob has done quite a bit of reading, research, and writing about, uh, just financial market returns and their relationship to political parties. Not that this, this will not be a political podcast, not but yet. Uh, just looking at the uh, <laughs> <laughs> empirical data and how, how things look in election years, midterm years, when different political parties are in power and so forth. And that's um, really the theme for today's episode.
1: Yeah and, yeah, and I, I, I think okay. one of the one of the one of the inspirations from this is also the holiday seasons are upon us, and this is great cocktail party conversational information.
2: If you have a noisy
1: <laughs> uncle, or, you know, uh, somebody that that just you know loves to spout you know politics with regards to the markets? Well, Bob's got chock full of information
0: sides, depending on which side is being annoying we got we got stuff to to get them to quiet down um but you know that's actually <laughs> a, a pretty important point before we start in on this conversation you know this is not i want to be very emphatic this is not about which party is better which party is even better for the markets or not um you know the election goes far, far beyond the, the markets, um, you know, far beyond the economy. And, you know, just again, as we've always been saying, the markets are not the economy. You know, they rhyme in the long term. They, they match up reasonably well in the long term, but it ain't the same thing. But, you know, that being said, you know, with I think we put enough provisos on there on the front end, um, you know, we can kind of take a look at, you know, some of the, the big picture stuff that we have seen historically um, and, and towards <laughs> the end gets to some really actually, I think, interesting things that, you know, pop out of some of these numbers that can help us think through kind of the bigger picture things about. know, just how we put our portfolios together, how we think about what's going on within the context of our plan. So again, you know, the financial markets, they are just different from the economy as a whole. They are a subset of the economy as a whole, and they're the forward-looking subset. So that's going to have a really big impact. But just kind of starting at, like I said, kind of the high level, you know, one of the big questions always is, you know, who's better for the the markets, you know, who go, which party in power, you know, leads to better market returns. Um, And we can kind of, we can obviously cut and slice and dice this numbers, any which way we want, you know, starting at the the big picture. um, Democratic presidents have had better market returns than Republican presidents historically, at least judging by the S&P 500. Um, you know, just put some numbers around it is a pretty big, we
1: just walked out of the podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he just literally
1: left. I, I gotta go get him. Yeah.
0: We'll try and keep the numbers brief because I really do want to get into that bigger discussion, um, you know, towards the end, but I want to kind of lay the groundwork here. Uh, you know, so there is a big premium for democratic presidents. The premiums just shy of 6% per well, year. When you say
1: premium, what does that mean?
0: So what that means is the difference between the average return of a Democrat or of the market during periods where Democrats have been in the White House versus the average return of the market when Republicans have been in the White House. So when Democrats been in the White House, um, you know, it's been an average return of the S&P, you know, from 1926 through 2021 of, you know, 15 and a quarter, 15.22 percent. Uh, versus nine and a third for Republicans, so nine point three two percent. And this is and it just please go ahead. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry.
3: sorry. <laughs> well, I mean to be clear on the methodology and just to look at recent history. So, like you'd say, 1993 through 2000, those would be Democrat years. Yep. 2001 through 2008, Republican years. 2009 yep. through 2016, Democrat years. That that's kind of the idea, and then you're taking okay, let's. But all the Democratic years over here, all the Republican years over here, and look at the average return exactly. for each of those categories.
0: Yeah. If we okay. were just like a random year when a Democrat was the president and a random year when the Republican was the president, you know, this is what we would expect to get. We're okay. probably not going to, but.
1: So, so, Bob, I'm in Thanksgiving. I'm in whatever – let's say Thanksgiving, right? And I'm having my pumpkin pie. And someone throws this stat at me and says, you know, it's, it's 15% versus 9%, you know, something like that, yeah. uh, Democrats versus Republicans. So there, uh, you, you should have voted for a Democrat. And then, uh, you know, somebody says, listens to that and says, well, not so fast. That's really uh, the Republicans are paying for the sins of the Democratic Party, you know, when they yeah. were in power. And then when the Republicans have it turned around, then – the Democrats, uh, you know, ride that tailwind or vice versa. I, I could have yeah, used the period. different parties. Uh, how would you answer that? Because that's so, that, you know, you, you when you say that, a, then you can't yeah. win an argument, right?
0: <laughs> no, that's a that's a big one. Um, you know, a few years back, I actually ran that those numbers looking at, you know, with a one year lag. Um, you know, what were the what, were what the does returns? that mean? Just, just to that, make yeah. sure. So basically, it's we shift it one year. So, you know, the Democrats start getting credit. One year after they take office, when they take office, and they get credit for the first year of the Republicans in office. So, you know, in uh, trying to think through when when people took office. So Obama took office in what was it? 2008.
3: So he well, won the election in 2000. Won the election. So exactly. Don't mess with me, so, Bob. Don't mess with me, Bob. No one, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> we yeah, have to be all do have to just speak. honest.
0: <laughs> uh, so in that case, so Obama took office in 2009. So the Democrats wouldn't get credit until 2010, uh, whereas the Republicans would get credit for 2009. And what we saw in that is that the premium does go down a little bit, but it still exists. Even with that lag in the data, um, there still is a statistically significant premium for a Democratic president. But it's important to recognize that you don't want to read necessarily too much into that for a couple of reasons. You know, and a good example of this is if just looking at presidential height. That actually, supposedly, according to the numbers, is a better predictor, has a bigger premium uh, than presidential party.
1: So, okay, so Bob, so if you and I were president, so I'm clearly you do a significantly better you, job Alex. than I would. For you don't okay.
0: know, Alex is is very short. What? Uh, wait, wait <laughs> and I.
2: you don't get that i was like podcast. six five i'm five five <laughs>
3: <laughs> and wait about well, six feet yep.
0: <laughs> but yeah so presidents who are six feet or over uh have much better market returns since 1926 uh than presidents who are shorter than six feet um
1: Now, Bob, I am left-handed. I am left-handed.
0: That is the other one that I put into the notes that uh, that comes in. I am right-handed. I highlighted that. I highlighted that. Yeah. So I'm not sure which way that cuts. Uh, But left-handed presidents also, according to the markets – did better than right-handed presidents. Um, you know, so and let's
3: test you on how well you remember your data. Do you recall who the left-handed presidents were? Like, is <laughs> no that one clue? That, I that think no. I think there's a bunch.
0: Frenchie I that completely left my mind
3: immediately off, off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure Clinton
1: was left-handed. So was Obama. So was the the Bush, oh, really? the second Bush. I well, think what the sure numbers were you're left-handed. saying is
0: just pick the presidents with good returns, and they were probably left handed. So, so, another
1: way, Bob, <laughs> so if I'm left handed, you're about 6'5, Wade is right handed and six, and maybe he's six feet. I don't know. You're right on the cusp. You and I put together are like Wade. <laughs> Just the average is, that, here. Is, is that kind <laughs> of what would happen? So you know, I, I think
0: there's there's probably a little bit of a problem with two people being president at the same oh, okay. time. But other than that, there's no problems with that analogy at all. Uh, we'd be as effective <laughs> as we. There, there is that. So I'm the um, but I mean that, that, I, that, I, that kind of goes to the point that uh, you got to always take this stuff with a grain of salt. I yeah, mean, we can tell it's good the stories, but do they mean anything?
1: It's kind of the the Mark Twain thing, right? There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yep.
0: Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter, where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals and
3: it's a small sample too because there haven't been that many presidents since 1926 yeah kind of like the rolling returns and uh, sustainable withdrawal rates (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah going back to that theme where you <laughs> you stuck a dagger into the heart of the uh four percent no, 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 no. No. i think it's not it's
1: more like euthanasia not like you painted such a negative picture <laughs> uh but bob but but something that i think bears interest here because I, I know we're just fooling around here and 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 it's you know this is what we're about to a large extent but <laughs> speak for yourself That's
3: our mission statement <laughs> What? what? We'll what? Speak for yourself <laughs>
1: No, but uh, I'm going back to the point of what, what do you think about voting based on what you think the economy will react to it I'm going to vote for this person because it's better for the markets I'm going to vote for that person because it's better for the markets yeah, That kind I mean, of thing uh, wh- wh- What's your comment on that?
0: I would say that If you take it one step back and say it's better for the economy, that's a much more useful statement, Um, you know, because there obviously are some pretty significant differences in, you know, how the Democrats and the Republicans want to manage the economy at this point. There's always differences. Um, I would say that in terms of trying to do that at the, the financial market level, I don't think that has much value. Uh, you know, for a big chunk of that is that all of this information, it's already in prices. You know, the market already knows, you know, Republicans have, you know, been worse on the stock market, supposedly, or at least have had lower returns when there has been a Republican president. That's baked into the prices. And remember that prices move based on how that new information, what happens next Squares with what the market expected. The other thing you got to be thinking about is, are are these numbers meaningful going forward? You know, is, you know, how a Republican president in 1920 or 1930, does that tell you anything about what a Republican or a Democratic president will look like now? I I don't think so. I think it's kind of some interesting numbers to play with. Um, you know, but I, I don't think trying to vote based on this information uh, is, is all that particularly useful.
3: That sounded like a diss on Iowa's native son, Herbert Hoover. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Iowa's native
3: son. Wait, well,
0: have wait, you seen I, the library yet? I, I don't think uh, I need to be doing that much on that. I think that that one speaks for itself. <laughs>
1: so. And yeah, for those of you, uh, Wade hails from Iowa, and he's a big fan of visiting every presidential library before his last breath on this earth. How, how far right. are you into that Wade?
3: Well, I haven't been making much progress in recent years, but so i'm I'm well over halfway, but uh I don't know exactly. I've still got some places to visit
1: You see, Wade, you don't know it, but your unintentionally mission statement is levity. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, Bob, what, what what do you mean by price then? Because that's kind of a, a smart-ass answer that people say as yeah. well.
3: Like they'll well, and say- a related question while you're getting on that theme, yeah. when what if when there is uncertainty, like with the midterm elections, it's still not entirely clear which direction that's going to go. Yeah. Does the uh, conclusion of that lead to greater certainty in a way that might help markets? But I, so- I guess that's – one big question. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll, I'll
0: start with that first part about, you know, what does priced in mean? Um, you know, it gets to the fact that prices, you know, they're discrete things, basically discrete things. You know, you at least in the paper, there's a specific number I can go and buy or sell Apple app or pick a stock. You know, there is a price for these things. But how those prices arrived at is probabilistic. Everyone's got these models of what they think the world will look like, what they think the economy will look like. And, you know, those encompass, you know, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, You know, so as new things happen, those models are constantly being updated. Those models are constantly incorporating that new piece of information. And when something happens, that will either be better or worse than what that model happened to be predicting. So which will drive the price up or down.
1: So Alex, is it fair to say like in the like like in Vegas, right? They're odds. It, it's really the odds, right? You don't just bet on exactly. the football team, you have to bet on the spread of exactly. how they So so is it fair to say, and within the context of Wade's question as well, the markets today are reflecting the probabilities of the elections already it it may not end up like that because odds change the spreads change over time with new information that's unpredictable but the markets are already reflecting this and so to some extent to assume markets are going to tank the day of the election barring some hugely unexpected information that comes in 24 hours before the election there is nothing to see here Yep. kind of kind of exactly. so they,
0: they incorporate both the probability of the event and also the expected value of the event, basically. Um, you know, how big of an effect is this going to have weighted against how likely is this thing going to be? So, you know, if there if there's one party out there who the market just decides is absolutely horrible. Uh, if there's one event that the market decides is the worst thing in the world, but there's a very low probability of that happening, it won't move the market all that much. It won't move prices all that much because it's just probably not going to happen. Um, whereas if there's a higher probability of an event that you know, isn't so bad, but that's going to ha- probably, obviously, depending on how the numbers fall out, but that would probably move the market more. Um, now, and also, these things are already happening. These things are already impacting the future prices.
1: Now, Bob. In addition to uh, Iowa's favorite son, Herbert Hoover, uh, there is another uh, cult of fame that Iowa has. Wade. It's the the electronic markets where they actually do bet on yep. on elections. You know, that yeah, is... my alma mater. Yeah. Oh, really? University <laughs> of Iowa. There you yeah, go.
3: University of Iowa. Yeah.
1: Did you have you ever bet on it? By the way.
3: No. No, I haven't, actually. <laughs> well, that's
1: a, that was a firm no, Bob, wasn't it? Like, no.
2: <laughs> no, I, I don't it do those it things. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Remind me to follow up on his browsing. Uh, uh, Bob, <laughs> do you want to – and a lot of folks don't know, Bob is actually he, – he you're very much into politics. At least you were. You know. I don't know if that's sort of – swiveled off but uh, how accurate are these Iowa markets because this is we're telling you these things are priced in but there are live markets that you can actually yeah. see that will effectively show you the probabilities
0: yeah I don't know I don't have any numbers off the top of my head um, you know it's one of those things where you know I, I always like seeing markets um, you know but there's some pretty significant limitations on those Iowa markets in terms of the amount of money that you can basically put up there—it's not like um, five to five hundred,
1: something like that.
0: Yeah, it's something, something relatively small, and crucially small enough that someone who, well, two things: one, you know, a lot of people are perfectly happy to throw away five hundred or whatever the top number is—I can't remember what it is off the top of my head—perfectly happy to throw that money away to try and move those types of numbers, move the market. Um, you know, because oh. that could potentially have an impact on the actual events, uh, which crucially, one of the important parts of the actual financial markets is, uh, it, you know, no one's big enough to actually move the markets in any meaningful way across a broad swath of
1: stuff. Um, so could you imagine you know, you're, you're contributing to a political campaign? And they're turning around and taking those contributions and bidding on themselves <laughs> in the market to move the market. I wonder.
0: I, I wonder if they have any rules around, you know, for like the, the smaller end of those races. They These guys I aren't trying hard enough, it seems. I've never looked into that. Now I'm kind of curious. Right? Talk so, about um, But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we We have have a two-page outline for you. you. We're (laughs) (laughs) We're about a third of the way through the first page here.
2: (laughs) That's the danger of putting – well, I I guess I naturally do that. But if you put three of us together (laughs) –
3: well, I guess to get us back on track here, you look at more than just like the president in power. And I. it's yeah. been a while since we were following the outline here. I think we did also talk about... <laughs> no, we didn't yet. The, we um, have not touched on it. Yeah. The House of Congress that's... So, um, yeah, get, a, kind of getting back
0: <laughs> since, you know, we're talking about a midterm rather than a presidential. Um, it's one of the key, key things here is that if looking at them in isolation, looking at, you know, the Senate or the House in isolation... You know, there's no substantive difference between the returns when one party controls one or the other party controls it. Um, You know, it's about the same. Um, And, you know, that's partially because, you know, it's one how or it's one half of one branch of office um, or one branch of the government, excuse me. And there's also just some structural reasons why, you know, it's not as effective in moving things through as the presidency. Um, but when we start kind of, yeah. I'm sorry, wait, go
3: ahead. Well, just, yeah, I mean, in that regard with it's the po- there's a possibility that you have a divided government and yeah. that is another issue you've looked at.
0: Exactly. Um, so when we start kind of picking it apart, what we see is the unified government. So, you know, the Republic or the, uh, the president house and Senate all from the same party are all controlled by the same party actually have about the same returns between the two parties. you know, Dem- that's roughly those-
1: 14 and a half and change. Uh,
0: yeah, 14 to 15. So you know, historically, when Democrats have controlled all three branches or all three, the presidency and the, the two houses, uh, they got 14.9. Republicans, it was 14.5. So that's the same number in these types of things. But when we start looking at divided government, we start seeing some really interesting stuff, or we start seeing some differences. So first off, the average is a lot lower. Um, the average annual return, again, for the S&P 500, uh, when we have divided government, so when at least one is different from the other two, uh, was only 9.8% per year. Um, so significantly lower. And it, You know, there's a big, big difference, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how that's arrived at. Because in terms of, you know, if the Democrats controlled two of the three sections of government, if you will, they were up at like 15.9 percent per year. Uh, That was a much smaller number of years than when Republicans were in control of a divided government. But that was down, again, at 9.8, right around 9.8% per year. But when we start getting into this, it really starts being important to look at the time periods we're talking about. We're looking at 14 years where Democrats were in control of or at least had two of the three sections of government that we're looking at. Um, You know, to kind of break that down, six of those years were the late 90s when Clinton was president, uh, which means they got the good part of the tech boom. Um, You know, the next six years or another six years was kind of the heart of the post 08 bull market from 2011 to 2016. And then the other two were, you know, right after World War II, What was it, 47 and 48. Um, So they had some really, really good years that, you know, just happened to coincide with them having, you know, that type of, you know, government setup. Um, so they had some really, really good years. You know, I don't think anyone's going to be arguing that, you know, the late 90s tech boom was because Clinton was the president.
1: Um, well, Al Gore did invent the internet.
0: That is true. That is true. So, so uh, come on now, put it in that lockbox. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so we got to think about that. Um, on the other hand, you know, Republicans did have 34 years of that diver- divided government. Um, and, you know, there were some some bad periods in there as well. I mean, they that included 1931, uh, which was when the market crashed. That was the the great crash. Uh, they also had, you know, 01 and 02, uh, which was the crash part of the tech not, boom as
1: well. Not, not only that, Bob, I I. I... I don't know what it was from a 08, but it, it took a while from 01 mm-hmm. after the – because it wasn't just the tech crash. Remember, there was 9-11, which then caught – which brought to light – that that bounced back. But there was – a remember the Enron? the There was a whole bunch yep. of corporate malfeasance that yep, for a good I year – I'm,
0: I'm double-checking this, this statement as I'm making it. I'm pulling up my spreadsheet. But uh, yeah, from 03 through 06, uh, that was unified Republican government.
1: Yeah, and that's just bad luck. I mean, they yeah, they, yeah, exactly. you, you yeah had yeah, yeah. No on one trusted part. corporate balance sheets for for a good year. It was one of these where people didn't know how to price assets. Yeah, and that that you know it just so happened. You know, good news: Republicans are in power. Bad yeah. news: yeah. Republicans. If
0: happened, you know, a year or two earlier, we could be telling a at least a slightly different story. Um, you know, it's, yeah, 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 it's just how all of this stuff falls out, and and you know, the underlying point is that the president and Congress, uh, you know, don't necessarily have control of the markets.
1: But, Bob, what about, you know, these general policies where – and I'm, I'm broad brushing here. And, you know, mm-hmm. a personal political affiliation, I, I, re, I really am straight down the middle, frankly. I, 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 I'm kind of apolitical to a large extent. But what happens if someone says, how could this be, Bob? It's clear that the Republicans are so pro-business and uh, – you know low tag you know that 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 kind of stuff, like the general high level things yeah how how absolutely. could that be you know how how could you have such a disparity between a Republican president and a democratic president? I get the whole lag, I get the whole this or that, but it should be a blowout, why isn't it
0: it's expectations it's you know everyone well, at least the market knows you know, Republicans are supposed to be better for the economy than Democrats. Um, You know, they know that Democrats are supposed to raise taxes or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, whether those are actually true statements or not. You know, that's kind of what the election is about.
1: We're
0: we're talking like this to make the examples. Exactly. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's that's already priced in. That's already in everyone's models of what's going to happen. If you know the Republicans win the election or if the Democrats win the election, that's kind of already baked into what everyone thinks the world will look like in these two different scenarios. But Bob, you already did a lag. shouldn't that then change the lag score? It did to a certain degree absolutely. Um, we saw that premium come down relatively significantly didn't get rid of it um, you know what I would say is that, you know, in a perfect world, you know, we wouldn't see any difference uh, between the parties. You know, I don't think there's, you know, a I can't come up with a good substantive risk based reason for you know, Democrats to have higher returns, meaning that there's a higher level of risk for a Democratic president. Um, but we're dealing with really random numbers there's going to be a difference in almost every situation. Um, you know, I think that's to a large degree what's happening here. Same reason we're seeing for tall presidents or left-handed presidents.
1: Do you remember offhand what how much the premium shrinks to? It went from five to three. To two? Uh, let me pull that up also, real quick. Um, Where I'm going with this is okay. That that reduces it. That con- that to, not out of controls is too strong a word, but it somewhat controls for the lag, the sort of uh, expectation piece that you're talking about. And then the other the other whatever whatever's left over is just pure noise because of the economic cycle that they happen to be elected in.
0: Yep, absolutely. I I don't remember what the what the lag. Drop to or what the premium dropped to uh, with the lag, um, but it, it was definitely reduced. But it was still statistically significant. Um, you know, so like, purely by chance, it's unlikely we would have gotten those numbers. But that's not necessarily a, it's impossible. That it was by chance. But you know, your point there is is very well taken. That there's a lot happening here.
1: There's a lot more of the variables that play in here. Yep.
0: And actually, that kind of gets to something I was talking about in the article I just wrote um, you know on the midterm elections one of the the things that popped out was that um, you know in years excuse me um, I'm trying to think where we are in our notes here um. But, you know, one yeah, of the moving things- away
3: from the political parties, it's yeah. just if you divide all the historical years years with a midterm election, years with a presidential election, and then the uh, all the rest, the non election years. Yeah, you saw um, another set of interesting results come out of that. Yeah,
0: but no, where I was going with that was when the party in power switches. Um, you know, when an election year where the party in power switches, the market had a much, much lower return than during an election year where it didn't switch. And, you know, then that obviously brings up the question of of causation. You know, did the fact that, you know, the presidency went from Republican to a Democrat, does that mean the market went down? Um, Or, you know, is it really kind of this this third thing? The economy wasn't great, which meant that the stock market had a bad year. uh, But it also meant that, you know, the person running, or the who is the president, lost the election. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that just happens, uh, and you know, isn't necessarily what's causing
3: the outcome. Well, for gotcha. that, there could be some effect of throw the rascals out type of a yeah, situation. Where I would where... <laughs>
0: argue that that's you know, kind of the, the third effect that the market is reacting to the economy. And the election is also acting to the economy in that situation. It's right. not the election <laughs> reacting to the market necessarily, though that will obviously get dragged in. That's...
1: OK, so the the takeaway from in terms of Republican, Democrat, House divided, House not divided, you know, any iteration you can think of, it, it, I'm going to try to sum it up, correct me here, is Democrats seem to have the lead, but there's too much noise to really identify why that is the case. I mean, that, that's kind of that's the sense because it, yeah. if you, make this, you can make the same statement with presidents over six feet or left-handed presidents. And so there's, there's yep. too many potential artifacts that, that can play into it, especially since the market is pricing things in the future. And so it, it, it kind of is what it is. And they're variables that have an extraordinary amount of sway beyond just political affiliation with regards to stock market success is yeah. that kind of the vibe yeah i think that's a pretty good way of of summing it up there's a
0: lot of stuff going into this um and okay. what we're looking at at least in terms of the market are kind of pretty gross
1: levers okay so then i think wade was getting to this next point which is okay forget democrats republicans or anything like that election years versus non-election years midterms or you know whatever all that kind of stuff what what what, what do you find you do so say this, actually, you see this on CNBC all the time. that, oh, it's an election year, and in an election year, X, Y, Z happens. Yep. and and uh, you know, I find that just idiotic, frankly, uh, uh, as a reason. But I don't know, maybe I'm the one that's an idiot. What, what do you find?
0: Well, they're right. The for those, watches. please
1: don't just email by, me. Just
0: by <laughs> chance, the amount of stuff they say, yeah, you know, they're going to have to get something right eventually. Um, yeah, you know, but one of the things we do see when we actually start pulling apart the data is that. Election years, and especially midterm election years, have lower returns than non-election years. Um, you know, just put some, put some numbers around it. Again, just using the S&P 500, uh, you know, since 1926 through 2021, non-election years uh, were a little bit over 14 and a half on average per year. Uh, presidential election years, the average annual return was about 116 and midterm election years was all the way down at eight point six. Um, you know, there, so something seems to be happening that you know the market, for whatever reason, isn't doing as well
1: now. Okay, but no. but Bob, this is a midterm election year. Do you yep. think that has anything to do with the market being down? How it is this year? Uh, no, I, I don't. I, no. So this no, is the I, whole I point of there's spurious kind of things. At exactly. Play.
0: Um, and, you know, there's I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that happens that we can't kind of have a good story around as much as we want that good story. Just because we can run some numbers doesn't mean we can
1: find the answer. Um, in, in fact, I would say if you look at. This is me anecdotally, so please correct me. But if someone were to ask me, based on what I hear on the news, do the stock markets perform well during an election year for the president or not? I would have said yes, because you always hear this sort of, oh, uh, it's it's an election year. So the president's going to make sure that XYZ doesn't happen. You know, or the, he's going to somehow have a secret meeting with the Fed and they're going to make sure that they don't get, you know, bamboozled in this election cycle. You know, things like that when you actually see if i'm looking at the, your numbers no election is 14 and a half yeah. and the year of a presidential election is 11 and a half you kind of i would have i would have guessed the other way
0: i would have I, that's what i expected as well um, you know that, and the looking at volatility which is actually something i get into in my article on it that we just put out a little while ago is that the volatility of the average annual returns of midterm election years is significantly lower than the other years, um, you know, mm. so we get into that whole conversation around um, how much can you actually trust these statistics? Does how do you evaluate this? Does this truly make sense? Um, you know, but what what's really interesting to me is, you know, when we start looking at these numbers, you know, what do they tell you about how you should be investing? What do they tell you about how you should be managing your portfolio? Do they tell you anything? You know, should you be sitting out every other year, you know, to avoid election years? Should he be sitting out every fourth year to avoid the midterms or, or whatever the case might be? Um, well, I mean, to do that, we kind of have to look at the alternatives, um, you know, kind of in that spirit of the election. You got to figure out what you can actually do with the options available to you so a quick and dirty way of checking this out is what what did the bond market do what did, just so we have long-term data here I used five-year treasuries you know how did they perform you know during you know those three categories midterm presidential and non-election years well uh, actually kind of the reverse uh, you know, <laughs> Bond market and, and just
1: a, real quick what's the size discrepancy between the bond market and the stock market because I, I think oh, that's I important. don't know
0: all the way well, through more time, or less, you know what I mean? but right, no, right now, now. Uh, it's about the bond market is about twice as big as the stock market in terms of market capitalization. And if I had to guess, that just got or the stock market has gotten bigger relative to the bond market through time. So I'd imagine the multiple back in 1926 was even bigger than it is right now. But um, you know the bond market. Again, five-year treasuries just as a quick and dirty proxy with really good data history during midterms uh, was almost six and a half per year, uh, or averaged almost six and a half per year, 6.46. The presidential election was five and a half. And the no election years was down at a little bit more than four and a third. Um, you know, So one of the things we're seeing is that basically the equity premium in Midterm elections is really small or during years with midterm what, elections. What does that
1: mean, equity premium, premium?
0: Basically, how much the market is paying you to hold stocks over how much it pays you to hold bonds. So, the returns so, as, of an stocks ex-
1: so as an minus- example, he, in this example, okay. the midterm was 8.6 the, the for stocks. The midterm for bonds was four for was 6.4. Let's say 6.5, yep. right? So yep. 8.5 minus 6.5 to make it easy. Is two three? Per- it's a two percent premium. You're right.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So you got paid uh, by. And there's a little bit more to it than that, since we're looking at but five just, year treasuries. But call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, You know, you got paid two percent to hold stocks rather than bonds. Whereas if we're looking at the no election years, when it, you know the stock market was returning on average, call it four and a half. The bond market was, I'm sorry, 14 and a half, excuse me. Uh, The bond market was returning, call it 4.4. Well, now we're talking about a premium of a little bit more than 10%. You know, that's the premium. That's how much the market is paying you for holding stocks rather than bonds. Um, You know, so what do you do with that? Uh, You know, how do you think about how that should impact your portfolio? Are you getting close to or are you in retirement? Well, investing during retirement is a little bit different than during your working years. Your investments are there to help you pay for retirement, and now is when they need to earn their keep. To make sure you're on the right track, download Retirement Researcher's 8 Tips to Becoming a Retirement Income Investor by heading over to retirementresearcher.com slash 8tips. Again, get retirement researchers eight tips to becoming a retirement income investor by going to retirementresearcher.com slash eight tips. That's the number eight tips. And, you know, that's a really tough question to answer because it's really getting to how do you value risk within your portfolio? That's something obviously we talk a lot about the broader kind of how do you value risk within your plan. Now we're talking about within your portfolio, which is Part of your plan. Um, But what I would argue is that I don't know that it has that much of an effect. I don't know that for most people, it should really be moving the needle in how you allocate your portfolio. You know, certainly I wouldn't advocate, uh, you know, jumping in and out of stocks every other year, every four years. Um, You know, there's tons of volatility in there. I
1: I would say it the good news is it's still a positive premium. Yes. So it's, it's like, full- you know, I mean, it is what, you know, capture. Your, your role as an investor is not to guess, but to capture the returns. Yep.
0: absolutely. So, you know, there's, like I said, there's tons of volatility. You know, there's been, you know, a bunch of really, really good midterm years. There's been some pretty bad midterm years in terms of the market. Um, but to Alex's point, yeah, it's still a positive expected return. You're still getting paid, you know, to a less, less amount than in non-election years, but you're still getting paid to hold stocks. Um, and, you know, one of the big things I always think about is, again, what's the alternative? You know, if we were to adjust our portfolio, would we actually be better off? Um, you know, and for some people who are thinking very, very, very carefully about, you know, how to allocate that risk budget. Maybe there might be, you know, some advantage in kind of tamping down your equity exposure in those particular years. But I don't think any of us, you know, Wade, may, maybe you do. I don't, at least I do not <laughs> think about it in those fine of terms. I don't think we're capable of dealing with risk at that level. It's just too much randomness. It's too much noise in the equation.
3: Right. And, and looking forward, I wouldn't really ever want to assume a 10% risk premium on forward-looking <laughs> expectations. So it's there's not much actionable content there. Uh, the only thing, looking at these numbers, too, and Alex had brought up this point, which is just with the uh, lowest returns on bonds in the non-election years, that might imply that it's non-election years where we raise interest rates and that hurts both stocks and bonds. And and maybe during election years, whether midterm or presidential, there's not a tendency to raise rates, maybe even a tendency to decrease rates, although certainly not this year. Uh, and that may <laughs> Well, that um, wasn't potentially... in the data set way, so... <laughs> yeah, this year's not in the, the data. <laughs> yeah, so This year is going to hurt that midterm number because it's yeah, going right? to be an outlier. Yep, yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it's good from the standpoint of you know, I, I think I can safely say uh, what's happening this year in the market, has, ha, it, it doesn't seem to me, you know, anecdote is not evidence, but it doesn't seem to me that it has to do with a midterm cycle as opposed to just, you know, what we've experienced in the last three, four years or so. I, I Call me crazy, but uh, uh, that's my hunch. That thing that, <laughs> right? that everyone I
0: mean, said would increase inflation, you know, increased inflation, so – Um, Yeah, no, and I think that's probably true if we were to go back and look at, you know, every midterm, every presidential, shoot, any year with a bad return, whatever its election status was, you know, we can point to specific things that, you know, likely influenced what those returns looked like. But a crucial thing is we couldn't have said what those things were likely to be. Beforehand, we couldn't have predicted what that would have been. Look, what next year will look like at
1: any point in time. And Bob, one, one of the one of the things as we're nearing the forty-five minutes, that's our sort of cue to kind of start winding this down. One one of the things uh, you know we want to do with the podcast, as when you, myself, and Wade got together, was the practical applicability. You know, we wanted to get away from you know just sermons and, and things like that, but putting things in practical application. And, and to me. This is one of these episodes that it, it it's one of those uh, there's sins of commission and sins of omission you know mm-hmm. kind of thing and this is where we don't want you to do something simply because of you think there's going to be some outcome based on the election. Look, I have friends that you know yeah. as you get older you get more political and they live in, you know it's almost like they've switched from following sports to following politics and it's become an obsession. It really has. And it's like a rite of passage when you get to be a certain age, I guess. And, and they're obsessed with this and how it's going to affect the market. And as much as I want to say, don't worry about it. I mean, there's, there's, it's kind of like there's many things, you know, under the stars that are dreamt up of in your philosophy kind of thing. Uh, it, it, it seems to me that based on this, that it, you can't really get any true signal. From an election result, even though you may say to yourself, "Well, Republicans have this kind of economic proclivity and Democrats have this kind of economic proclivity," it, 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 the data just doesn't bear it out. No matter how much you want to sort of see the the conceptual underpinnings, the, the data actually has a lot of noise because the the economic cycle in which you're elected the president to bring mm-hmm. president in carries to me a lot more weight. I, I I don't know. I'm just so my my kind of end game is. Don't worry about it it doesn't kind of matter and you know i i realize the the irony of we sat here for 40 minutes talking to you about numbers <laughs> to then say these numbers don't mean a damn thing but the reality is they don't on, well, on many I, levels i would
0: actually phrase it the exact opposite way coming to the same point <laughs> but They mean, they <laughs> they mean a i'm long- left-handed bob you're right-handed that's right but i'm taller
2: uh, as long as we get that out there, all right. Um, but you're uglier.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to respond with on that one. Wade, so, Wade, please. Can you be an arbiter? To be the of, arbiter here. <laughs> who's more handsome? Sorry, Bob. No, I,
0: I think these these numbers mean a lot. It's just what what do they imply for how you move forward? And what they imply is that you need to stick with the plan. You need to kind of keep with that long-term focus. What this is showing us is that there's a lot of stuff happening that we have no way of predicting. There's a lot of stuff happening in the market that, you know, is to a certain extent random. Um, you know, but even with all of that randomness we still can understand the fundamental risk and return characteristics. We can still profit off of those relationships that we can build our portfolios around. Um, so even with all of this stuff happening, you know, the the song remains the same. You know, there's still oh, the same. That's right. <laughs> you can pull your references too here, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it gets us to... The same sort of place, but in a, I think, philosophically different manner.
3: Wait. Are we just leaving? Are you the building map? a stairway to heaven? <laughs> I was thinking of Into the Outdoor.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was trying to work in when the levee breaks, but I, I couldn't. I had
3: nothing. I had nothing. <laughs> yeah, we've got to wrap this up and get Into the Outdoor to not go over 50 minutes, <laughs> which is too late. But no, I think, yeah, it's, this is more than just a conversation at a cocktail party. But at the end of the day, it's also, there's not a lot of actionable content here. Just stay the course. And yeah, there's some interesting statistics you can glean from looking at the data. And it's statistically significant, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, uh, it's not necessarily something that would persist or is actionable or. Uh, there's a, not necessarily any theory behind why the results are as they are. It's left-handed presidents and so forth. are pretty clear examples of you can find correlations that don't always have, they, they just happen to occur without any underlying causation. Okay. And that's ultimately a lot of where we are here. I well, think.
1: wait, but, you know, it just hit me and Bob, and, and I'll, f- I'll finish it with this. I swear. Uh <laughs> We've come full circle as a show. We've reached Seinfeld status. The podcast <laughs> about nothing. This was the he
3: podcast about, about, about nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Bob's doing great work. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? Thank you, way. That was in no way. No, that's, you know yet. how
2: Seinfeld was the show about nothing. You know, kind of that's yeah, yeah. the refer- Okay, all right. Just had to make sure. All
3: right, I, I get your cultural okay. Well, we <laughs> not with the movies so much, but with uh, at least not with your nineteen seventies movie solutions. Okay, but more recent stuff.
2: Well, <laughs> the, then, then we can do the long kiss goodbye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all,
2: right. <laughs> all right, all right, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Bob. Take us away, man. You're the no, guest.
0: Thank you, guys, for having me on. It's it's always fun to, to talk about this type of stuff. And um,
3: yeah. Okay, thank you, Bob, and, and we'll have you again uh, very soon to explore some <laughs> other investment related content that will be more actionable. We <laughs> <laughs> <I> swear. <laughs>
0: Wade and Alex are both principals of McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.